everybody, welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. We are coming to you Monday through Thursday right here on Blaze TV. You got to go to where podcasts are offered and you got to get this stuff. So if you're watching this on Facebook, we're going to a brand new format where you're only going to see a hot clip on Facebook and then you need to go over to YouTube and or you can go to where podcasts are offered, whether it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Podcasts. I think that's the thing. So wherever you want to get podcasts, you can get them. And we need you to do that because it helps with the numbers. We can actually see who's out there listening, where they're listening from, what we need to target, things like that. And plus, it helps us when it comes to things like sponsors and advertisers. This is capitalism in action, and we believe in it 100%. I like the money. Anyway, anyway, go to where they are offered. You can go, you can search out Chad Prather on YouTube. I tell you what you can do. You can just go to blazetv.com slash Chad, use promo code Chad, get a get an annual subscription and you just watch it right there streaming and you can get all the other stuff that's on there and you can see my show humor me you can even check out party foul on the prowl uh in episodes of speaking of party foul he's sitting over there look at you you look so handsome in that it, it was hat. uh wear hats today so no this is like, like a yes, school like, it's like a school day you wear your hat the school day at the school day you remember those yeah. you didn't really go to school though did you uh, a little bit yeah you didn't do a lot of that I showed school. up you didn't you didn't do none of that reading or ciphering no <laughs> Barely got by. I know. And 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 Hot News Natalie's sitting over there yes. representing South Lake Carroll. Look at you. I was repping. Do you ever feel ashamed of just showing off all that money? <laughs> I mean, Listen, I grew up in a trailer, head? so let's keep it let's keep it real. I On the know. wrong side of the track, so where I, <laughs> I worked hard, you yeah. know, worked hard. Well, but I didn't. You know I didn't. What? I don't have a hat. I didn't bring my cowboy hat. We'll get you a hat. Well, I'm gonna share his halfway yeah. through. You're the you're the Where's only what? thing that's halfway close to an actual cowboy in this room because you're a Cowboys cheerleader. That's right. So you can actually represent. But no, I, I'm so happy that your that your rich husband condescended <laughs> to pull you out of that <laughs> wicked stepmother's house and marry you and take you to the mansion in South Lake Carroll. It's a it's a beautiful thing. It's been nice. The slipper fit and I appreciate I work, that. Chad. You better know it. I know. Well what would we do without you? Thank you. We got the puppet master Mark Tate What's sitting up, over everybody? here. He's hanging out. And our, our new producer, look at her, Candace. She's hide, she hides over there. Say hi to everybody. Uh, Candace <laughs> doesn't have a nickname yet, but oh my God, it's coming. It's coming. Uh, Metro Jason, he's off stage right there. And, and I, got the, I got the legend with me here today, sitting in the hot seat. Lieutenant Colonel, retired. Oh, I was looking around for the legend. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, this guy didn't take accolades too well. You, I compliment him, and he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. Former Florida congressman, Lieutenant Colonel, United States Army. Alan West, it's good to be with you, man. Good, good to, to be here. You. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, I'm glad you sat down here with us today. I uh, there's so much to talk about. We were talking about that yeah. walking over to the studio. Like you, you just there's so many topics. Yeah, the, you know, I'll start off that whole thing about capitalism. You were saying. I mm -hmm. mean, we had someone that showed up in Austin, Texas, this past weekend that kind of put capitalism down, said it was irredeemable. <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't know if you and Miss Ocasio Cortez are on the same, you know, sheet of music. I... Maybe you could get her to come here and put on a cow boy hat and if i could get aoc to come sit down in this studio it would be a life highlight for me i would love to sit down and have a conversation with her do you how dangerous do you think she is uh i think she is quite dangerous because she has taken over this this platform this microphone mm -hmm. and when you have someone like a nancy pelosi that can't control someone like that and stormed out of a caucus meeting that lets you know that the the tide has turned and the tables have been flipped. Can you imagine going back to high school, being a senior in high school, and you rule the school? 
But all of a sudden, a freshman comes in and starts taking over. No, they go in the garbage can. Exactly. Dumpster. Remember, remember freshman day? <laughs> yeah, you, you put all the freshmen in the dumpster. So, But unfortunately, no one is putting this young lady. And, okay, everyone, I'm not talking about putting her in a real dumpster. It's a <laughs> metaphorical thing because I know how the left is. This comes Colonel from a West. man who has said things that have been taken and, and run with over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, they crucify you for they, it. They will absolutely do so. But... When you think about Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Omar and Tlaib and also Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts, they're the ones setting the agenda. And we're just two and a half months into this House Democrat majority, and everyone is talking about them every single day. And so it is a challenge to that status quo. But I think that this is who the left always has been. Yeah. And now they're, they're out of the closet, you know, if you want to put it that way. I think gone are the days where you can say that the left is tolerant. No, I, I, I mean, they absolutely can't even well, say that anymore. Well, look at what happened with the kid at uh, Berkeley, at mm-hmm. California Berkeley. I mean, he's just there representing an opposing viewpoint, and he gets punched in the mouth. Uh, next time, duck, kid. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, but it just just shows you how off the rails they have, they have become because they don't want any type of challenge. As a matter of fact, the DNC uh, chairman, Tom Perez, just came out and said, we don't want Fox News to host any of our primary debates mm-hmm. because they can't stand the scrutiny. Yeah, and it, and it is. It's, I, I liken it to taking the lo- in the backyard, you roll the log over and the bugs run everywhere. And that's how, what I think this presidency has done. Is kind Sunlight of the light. is the best disinfectant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I often tell folks that, you know, how sunlight is to a vampire, that's how truth is to the progressive socialists right. in the United States of America. They just go into a frenzy. But they don't want to be challenged. They, you will never get someone like that to sit here in this chair and talk about a Green New Deal or, you know, how she feels about capitalism or any of these other things. I think that, the, that they have so they so value the agenda and the goals of the agenda that they have taken they've relegated truth to something that doesn't matter. I'm willing to lie as long as the agenda gets the goal. gets. There met. is no truth. Right. And, and so you hear Oprah talking about your truth. Yeah, your you know, truth. Nothing objective anymore. Truth is a moving target. Mm-hmm. And so how interesting it is when we're sitting right now. Uh, we don't have to go back into the 20th century to see the failure of socialism. It's happening right now in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. But yet you hear none of them talking about what's going on in Venezuela. And always remember that socialist dictatorships start with one thing. You disarm the people. Mm-hmm. So back in June of 2012, Hugo Chavez uh, issued an order that said all private gun ownership is illegal. Right. And so now you get to the point where people are out there, they're throwing rocks, <laughs> the, the military has weapons, and how does that work out? Yeah. It doesn't work out well. So you starve your people. Uh, they're going through, I think, the fourth day of a blackout. And now we have this person here in America talking about, you know, in 12 years we're going to all be dead, and so that's why we can't have any more fossil fuels and we can't have airplanes, although she flew to Austin in an airplane. Exactly. But this is just how far they have gone to completely show their delusion. I think that, and you're 100% right, and you take a— Well, thank you. No one has ever 100% told me 100% right. right. No. 100% right. I—, I I, I always love the takes that you have on what's going on politically and culturally. I do because you don't really mince words. You get right into it. We're Southern men. Exactly. Yeah, Georgia boys, we don't have time. We don't to, mess around. No, we don't mess around. It may as well. And I don't apologize for anything. Either. We shouldn't. I don't. I, I, you know, I, I make it a public thing. And, you know, if, 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 if I need to po- apologize to a person personally for something. But, but when I come out with a statement, I, 
look, I, you you take the thing that happened recently where the, where Media Matters goes out there and they start digging through years and years and years of Tucker Carlson stuff and they find where he's saying something that they find inappropriate. They don't find that inappropriate. They just want to crucify him. Yes, absolutely. And when you go back and you think about all the things that the progressive socialist left says every single day, yeah, I mean, we have plenty yeah. that we could crucify them on. But remember, uh, the rules don't apply to them. Mm-hmm. You know, Ocasio-Cortez has a $1 million FEC violation allegation against her. Now, hearing a lot of things about it. Right. Rashida Tlaib, a $17,500 FEC violation against her. Now, hearing anything about it. You know, someone can stand up and make a, you know, a series of anti-Semitic statements and comments. But what happens is, well, maybe she doesn't understand the language that she's using. Maybe she's from a different culture. Maybe she didn't really mean it. But yet, Governor Ralph Northam, old blackface, I mean, he's still in office. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, don't forget his wife, Pam, who handed out cotton balls to two kids that were visiting the uh, the governor's mansion, two <laughs> black kids. She didn't give the cotton balls to the to the white kids, and she told them to think about what it was like to if you had been a slave, right. living in slavery. So they always get away with these things. There's no consequences. There's no ramifications. And I think that the American people are tired of this dual standard. I, th- I think they are. And, and that's, you know, the platforms have been taken away from us largely. That's why I love, you know, you, you take these different folks that are out there who – like blaze tv i mean i don't mind you know i believe that he who tooteth not his own horn remains in a perpetual state of untootedness so i'll toot our horn a little bit mm-hmm. i love that we're bringing people that have conservative libertarian even sometimes uh, you know moderate on the left you know these viewpoints are out here but they're commonsensical and we've lost that and and people they look at it and they go well Facebook's t- been taken away from us. Twitter's been taken away from us. You and I ha- both know what it's like whenever you're driving traffic to a blog that you have. You got, you got yours, and and I've had you know politicalcowboy.com. And and in January 27th in 2018, all of us and I went from having 700,000 people a yeah. day on my website to having 3,000 people. Yeah, the manipulation of the algorithms, as right. they say. Yeah, because again. They want to keep people in darkness. They don't want this truth, these truths that we're talking about to be exposed and be out there. Think about it as young people hear, you know, something that is different from the indoctrination message that they get in high school and college. They don't want that challenge. Right. And so this is about silencing all opposition. You know, the, the left can only operate under these means. It's coercion. It's mandate. It is intimidation, it's threats, and last resort, it's violence. Mm-hmm. That's the history of, of leftist movements that uh, you can go all the way back to, you know, Hitler, Stalin, Chairman Mao, Castro, Che Guevara, Venezuela, and that's what you see. I had someone, I did a video, a social media video a couple of weeks back, and, and it got a lot of traction, and it was called Let's Try Socialism. And it was pointing out how dangerous as we as we look at this and we flirt with it, it's, it's really a dangerous flirtation. Mm-hmm. And so it was amazing to me, and it was for the first time I really got scared because I realized this next generation, they really believe this crap. I mean, they're, they're looking into it. I had one kid send me a message who said, why can't we at least give some of these new ideas yeah. a chance? Well, they're not new. <laughs> new ideas. They're not new. I had another guy who said, but you can't prove Stalin killed that many people. And I said, what planet are you living on? Holocaust didn't happen either. No, it didn't happen. No, yeah, exactly. No. Chairman Mao didn't kill all those people. Pol yeah, Pot didn't kill Campodia all those people. Cambodia never. The Killing Fields, Absolutely. they just made a movie about it. it but was see, that's the problem, Chad, in that we don't teach history. Right. And we don't teach civics. 
And so mm-hmm. when you have these ideological agendas that are being, you know, foisted upon our kids, like I say, in high school even now, and definitely in college, that's all they hear. They don't hear about, you know, Hayek, mm-hmm. or they don't hear about Milton Friedman, or mm-hmm. they don't hear about any type of free market economic principles. They hear plenty about Marx yeah. and Engels and, and Keynesian economic theory. I'd like to know what type of classes did Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez take at Boston University? <laughs> because if I was her parents, I would ask for a refund, <laughs> yeah. okay? I mean, an yeah. economics degree? Yeah. And, and you know, you want to, what, build a train to Hawaii? Hawaii. I mean, this is this is nuts. Yeah, and you want to you want to rebuild every building in America. To... Every building in America has to be torn down. Yeah, we're talking about a nine hundred trillion dollar plan here. And and think about it. Here she was speaking in Texas. Now Texas is about oil and gas, but yet she doesn't want any fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And Texas is about moo cows. Right. We like our steak. But you remember when Oprah got sued? Absolutely. Over that deal? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But. I mean, why would anyone give her a platform in the state of Texas to speak? Yeah. They should have laughed her all the way back to New York, a city that is about to go bankrupt, as a matter of fact. Exactly. And they should have given her a Thomas Sowell book on economics and let her, let her go. No, it's crazy. And, that, and so I, I – first of all, it's easy to go tongue-in-cheek with AOC and make jokes about her. You know, I made a joke on mm-hmm. Twitter about her hanging out with Bill Nye talking about climate change. And I said, hey, a fake economist and a fake scientist walk yeah, into a yeah. bar – and everybody says, why are you so triggered by AOC? You know, why is she on your mind? Why is she living rent-free in your brain? And I say it's important because, first of all, uh, the fact that she could get elected with – you know, And now you've got the votes. video that's coming out now that oh, makes yeah. it look like she answered a – The a, Justice Democrat, a casting call. A casting call. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, we just put out 10,000 well, candidates and we were looking for a congressperson. But, but see, here's a person that is out there in the public arena. They are a congressional representative, and they're talking about these policies. So you have the right. I mean, you do have freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Last time I checked it out, yeah. maybe in a few years we might we'll not have that. But you should be able to challenge those assertions that she's uh, putting out. It's not about hating an individual. It's not about them living rent-free in your head. But when you're out there saying that capitalism is irredeemable, mm-hmm. well, how do you think you got that iPhone right, or the iPad? Or how do you think that you're not in a horse-drawn wagon, you took an airplane to come here to to Austin, Texas? All of these incredible innovations. Look at what Texas represents, the economic growth and opportunity. And you're trying to tell us here in this state that the 12th largest economy in the world, this is irredeemable? Right. This is is insane. It should be challenged. This is a lady that used $30,000 on Uber fare during her campaign when the 7 train was 138 feet from her office. But that's how they are, is, mm-hmm. is do as I say, not as I do. And if you go back and you remember the old Soviet Union had the thing called the Politburo, mm-hmm. and there was a cut line. If you were above the cut line, you were part of the elite, you were part of the Politburo. Then everyone else was just the Joe and Jane's, just part of that big collective that had to stand in line to get bread. Right. I remember when I was, first time I went to Russia, I was in Moscow, and, and we were, you know, we weren't in the tourist area of Moscow. And it wasn't long, it was 94. So it wasn't long after the fall of communism. Mm-hmm. This, the residue of it was still there. It was heavy and oppressive. Mm-hmm. And we'd go out into those villages and, and take the train out there. And, you know, they still got the sickle and the hammer flags that are mm-hmm. out there. And, uh, and some of the old uh, propaganda posters were still on yeah. some of the walls. And, and you just kind of got that eerie feeling of oh, what yeah. life was like in such a dreary 
world. Well, you, you know, before we got started, we talked about your dad being in the military. Mm-hmm. He was stationed in Germany. I remember as a young uh, second lieutenant when I went through Checkpoint Charlie mm-hmm. in 1985. Now, if you talk to young people today about Checkpoint Charlie, they would think, you know, maybe it's a video game or something like that. But this was the place where you left liberty and freedom and you crossed over to tyranny. Right. And so for a young man of 24 years of age from the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm on the other side of that wall, and I saw the the desperation, I saw the despondency, I saw the depression, I knew why there was a difference. Right. And And sadly, I don't think that we have a lot of young people today that understand there's a very stark difference. I don't know if they don't look at the television and see what is happening to young people in Venezuela. I don't know if they fail to realize that this thing called socialism is all about taking your stuff. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones that determine the outcomes as opposed to you being able to determine your opportunities. And that's a big, big, you know, separation from what we have here in America and what other people would like to have in America. Right. Hot news, Natalie. Do you understand how important this topic is as you live in your lofty abode in South Lake Carroll, Texas? <laughs> Not for long. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, We're coming speaking, for you, girl. I actually, I, I, I did want to ask uh, Colonel West something. You actually wrote a book about this, yeah. Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, talking about mm-hmm. socialism versus individual liberty. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, what, and obviously that's something that could be taught in some of our economic and civic classes. Well, yeah. uh, the, the interesting thing is that when you look at Texas, so many businesses and corporations are moving here to Texas because of what? It has mm-hmm. all the right tax and regulatory policies for them to be able to grow and to prosper. Think about the fact that Toyota has moved their headquarters from California to here. State mm-hmm. Farm has moved here. American Airlines is here. I mean, we can go down the list, and we talk about that in the book. But yet there are people that are coming into the state of Texas that are still voting as if they were in these places they're coming from, being in California, New York, New Jersey, or Illinois. And it is very perplexing to me. I call it the locust effect, where you're in a certain, you know, piece of ground and you chew it up and you, you know, it's very fertile. And then you move to another place. And so this migration of progressive socialism that are coming out of these failed blue states, look at what Nevada used to be and what it is now. Look at Arizona. Look at Colorado. Look at New Mexico. And so now it seems that Texas are in the sights. And how can we sit back and allow a thought process, a, an ideal, ideology, to, to come to a state that is all about rugged individualism, mm-hmm. not collectivism, mm-hmm. that is all about you going out and working hard and creating, you know, your husband's about to open up an incredible, you know, uh, weapon, gun range. Mm-hmm. Would, would they allow that to happen in California? <laughs> 200 machine guns is what they've got. <laughs> Let's get specific. Yeah, that, that, that dog don't hunt out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's a reason why people are coming to these successful states. Look at Georgia. Look at what has happened in my hometown where I was born and raised in Atlanta, where now Atlanta has become this thriving blue area, which almost dictates the entire political scene for the rest of the state. And that's what you see happening here in Texas. Because Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, Corpus Christi, the only major city in Texas that is not run by the progressive left is Fort Worth. Right. And they got their sights on Fort Worth. And they voted blue in this last – they voted for Beto. They they got their sights on Fort Worth now. They do. So -hmm. Texas is in play. We worked uh, with several different campaigns that were going on during that election process. 
and not the least of which was Brian Kemp's campaign, Kemp's campaign uh, in Georgia mm-hmm. for the, the, the gubernatorial race. I couldn't believe the things that the left's, you know, the Democrat candidate Stacey Abrams was saying. I mean, the things she wants the illegals to vote. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's where we're at. That's where we're at. And and the amazing thing is that. I think there's an awakening happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a turning point for this country, and we have to decide what our future and legacy will be. And it's right here before us. Like I said, you just look down the road to Venezuela, which 20, 25 years ago was one of the most prosperous countries right. in this hemisphere. It's got the greatest oil reserves on the planet. No one bigger. Right. And you think about the, the energy resources and all the resources that we have here in the United States of America, but yet you have people that want to do, as Hugo Chavez there, to bring it all under government control and to nationalize it. Now, why would we want that? Yeah, when you go from the third largest economy in the world to be eat, they're eat, literally eating out of the back of the garbage can, well, I mean, eating, the garbage truck. They're, they're, killing, find... they're killing zoo animals. Yeah. They're eating their own pets. I mean, how can that happen in, in, in 20 years? In mm-hmm. 20 years, that's where they are. I mean, I think uh, in the last 24 hours, about 20 to 25 people have died because of this this blackout in hospitals. Mm-hmm. And this is what people want for the United States of America. And so I think it's very important that we talk in those very specific and stark contrasting points and not be apologetic about it. I saw the video recently that they, they kind of had to put it out there in secrecy and they had to do it in secrecy. The guy's walking through the supermarket there. And the only thing on the shelves was Coca-Cola, two liters of Coca-Cola. There was nothing else on mm-hmm. shelves anywhere. There was that and ketchup. That's literally all they had in the grocery stores in Venezuela, Coca-Cola and ketchup. Not nothing a, there. Everything was empty. Uh, if you don't have a hot dog, that's not a good <laughs> just, you, yeah. can't, you can't survive just off of ketchup alone. Um, I, that's, and that's the crazy thing. We have no yeah. point of reference. Well, People in America, this generation has not suffered. Hmm. They, they've never been through anything hard. Um, the closest thing we could even point to is something like 9-11, and, and that was a one-time event, tragic as it was. It's not, you know, you're not in Israel with the potential of a bus blowing up at any given yeah. day in, in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. It, so there's, we don't live under those kind of things. We're not living with constant, you know, van attacks in the U.K. or France where the, you know, the yellow vests are doing the thing. That or, it, it, it's, it's, we're spoiled in no, this thing. without a doubt, we are. And for whatever reason, I think one of the worst things that happened in the United States of America is when adults looked out on a little, little league playground, you know, soccer, baseball. Right. And they came up with this stupid thing to help kids' self-esteem called a participation trophy. I agree. You know, that little plastic trinket that's supposed to make a kid feel good about themselves. You know, back when I was growing up, my parents would have said, boy, you need to get out of the backyard. You need to practice harder. Right. And maybe you'll get into the game. We're not going to give you something for nothing. And now look at where we are today. Yeah, You have a generation that wants to be given something for doing nothing so that people can come up with the insidious idea of giving folks money even if they're unwilling to work. Yeah. It's a human environmental non-event is what a participation trophy is. It's, it's, giving, it's a rewarding nothing. It's rewarding nothing. I hate it. I despise it. It's, it's one of those things. And I've caught a lot of flack over the years speaking out over it because there's folks who, but come on. Yeah, but, but, but what does that do for, for a kid? Exactly. You know, think about it. You, you know, this is one of the great times of the year. This is March Madness. Mm-hmm. And everyone's hooked in, looking at all the tournament games. And next week, we're all going to get our bracket. 68 teams going to go in. Only one comes out champion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, why is it that we have this philosophy or belief that everyone should get a championship trophy? Right. You know, what, what is the thing that you used to cheer for when you were a Dallas Cowboy Chiliers? Winning. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's nothing wrong with winning, but all of a sudden we're supposed to be ashamed 
to be on Team America. Right. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I like to be top dog. I like the fact that I can go out and work hard and earn things, that I can sit on my back porch and look out over my pool or whatever. Because that's what my parents wanted me to have. Exactly. You know, when, when my dad, who served in World War II as a corporal in the Army, at a time when this country did not afford him all the rights and privileges it did for others, mm-hmm. this is what he wanted for me to be able to achieve and attain in my life. And who are these people that sit back and they're going to make the decisions? No, this is what you can have. This is what you can't have. And we're going to just flatline everybody, you know, this social egalitarianism. We're just going to give participation trophies out to everybody. Yeah. It's not how you run a railroad. Yeah. And, and Natalie lost the first year she tried out as a Cowboys chair. I did. You were rejected. I was rejected. I and definitely. you cried, ugly cried. Ugly cried, and I did not get my uniform and I went and ate cheeseburgers. It's like going to get ice cream. If you lose, you don't get a trophy. That reminds me of the day. That's what I need. Movie, uh, was that dodgeball <laughs> with a guy? He's just around starting But, you know, that's fat. what, when yeah. I was growing up, if you lost, that's what you did. You got some ice cream. You didn't get a trophy. Right. Yeah. You know, because you lost. And you learned what it meant to lose. And that's okay. And, and that's what we have to get back to. There's nothing wrong with failure. Mm-hmm. You can learn from failure. How many businesses out there in the beginning were not successful? Yeah. There's a, a – uh, y'all falling apart over there? What's happening? Y'all tearing down the – It was Steve. Natalie, I didn't touch it. <laughs> Steve. There's, a, there's an interesting verse in the Bible, Hebrews, says that, um, that you know, no discipline is, is fun. It's, no, it's not pleasurable at no, the time you're having it. But, but, you know, you are better for having been trained by it. And the word train there in the Greek language is gumnazo. We get our English word gymnasium. Mm-hmm. And so the Greeks, of course, they're known for the Olympics and things like that. They used to train. The athletes trained naked, which we could get back to those days, Puppet Master Mark. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the <laughs> but they used to train right. naked, and the reason they did it is so that the coach who was training them could look at it and say, oh, you're getting a little flabby right there. we got to work on this part. Mm-hmm. And that was their whole deal. And so basically it's that if you're a child of God, he's going to expose you. And he's going to he's going to work on those parts that need to be Absolutely. worked on. These days, people don't have a concept for that. They think that suffering mm-hmm. is a bad thing. It's not. Pain's a gift. Well, again, in Romans chapter five, verses three through five, it talks about trials and tribulations. It produces perseverance, mm-hmm. and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Mm-hmm. Not hope in man, but hope in God. And I think that you know we had a saying in the military that you move to the sound of the guns. Too often we have become so complacent and so risk-averse that we don't want to go out there and face the challenges. And that's the only way that you get stronger. I'm sure Natalie and all the ladies here, they like diamonds, okay? Guess what a diamond is when you first see it? Mm -hmm. It's a rock. It's a rock. And what what does it take to make a diamond? Intense pressure and heat. And when we we shy away from that intense pressure and heat, like it says in James chapter 1, count it all joy when you come into these mm-hmm. trials and tribulations. Then we, we atrophy ourselves, our character, our muscle, everything, our brains. Because if we just want to be mindless lemmings and sit back and let someone else make the decisions for our lives and give us something even though we didn't earn it, to me, I got to tell you, Chad, that's a form of enslavement. Mm-hmm. And we need to start calling it as it is. And in a way, that type of mental and economic enslavement is worse than physical bondage. Mm-hmm. Because maybe one day you can break free. But there comes a point where, like in the Shawshank Redemption, where it talked about you become an institutional man. 
But you just don't believe that you can ever be independent and do anything on your own. What do you think? And I've, I've heard you talk about this before, and I've read you read plenty of things you said about this. You know, the, the African-American community, we have the movements like Blexit that are going on right now. Yeah. And they're really trying to, you know, pull out. And, and, and we've all used it. I know you've used it. We're talking about it. it's you're living on that democratic plantation. 21st century mm-hmm. economic plantation. Yeah. That's what. What's the hope? What's the future for the African American community, the Black community across America? I mean, because I think that that mindset is what's been bought into. Like we can't mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. any other way. Well, I think it's changing, and that's mm-hmm. why you see all of these 2020 Democrat candidates talking about reparations. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here, come back to us. We'll give you something, because all of a sudden people are realizing, you know, you've destroyed us. You know, when I was born in 1961, the two-parent household in the Black community was between 75 and 77 percent. Mm-hmm. Today is 24%. And you can trace it right back to Lyndon Johnson, Great Society Programs, what he did to decimate the inner city, especially the family. Yeah. And, and look at where we are today because of that. Look at the, the lack of small business entrepreneurship and growth in these inner city communities. So Donald Trump right now, he leverages between 17 to 20% approval rating in the black community. That's unheard of. Mm-hmm. A Republican is 17 to 20% approval rating. Why? Because now, all of a sudden, people are able to go out there and do it themselves. They're able to go out there and, and get the jobs, take care of themselves, take care of their families, go on a vacation, what have you. They're not economically enslaved anymore. Right. Candace Owens going out talking to these you know, young black millennials and saying, hey, you don't have to settle for this. You don't have to sit around and wait for them to give you a participation trophy. Go out and earn your own trophy. Yeah. And it's starting to resonate. Yeah, we're starting to see that, too. The urban revitalization, the money that's being put into there. Donald Trump's doing those things. I, I think that I think that whenever you look back, uh, history, I think, is going to look back and say, wow, this guy that you all hated did a lot for the black community, did a lot for the Hispanic community. Absolutely. Unemployment is at an all-time low. All-time. And, you know— it, you know, Donald Trump. Yeah, he's a flawed man. We all know that. But yeah, this, but we this, weren't elected. We weren't looking for a savior. We weren't looking for. I, you yeah. and I, the last time yeah. we were together, we were at the Texas Republican mm-hmm. Convention, and and uh, Sec- uh, Secretary Ben Carson spoke. Doctor mm-hmm. Ben Carson spoke at the deal, and that's what he said. He said, "I was running for president, but America didn't need a choir boy. Mm-hmm. America needed somebody that was going to come in there and knock you out." You know, it's so interesting you, you talk about that because if you go back, the, the first engagement that the U.S. Army had against the, the Germans in World War II was in North Africa. It was a mm-hmm. place called Kazarine Pass. Got wiped out. One, one of the worst defeats in the history of the United States Army. Who did they bring in as the replacement general? Patton. Never lost a battle. Now, you could say, you know, didn't like his personality or whatever, but the Germans feared him. Mm-hmm. The Germans feared him so much that they believed that wherever Patton was going, that's where the invasion of, of Europe was going to happen. And so they used Patton as a decoy. I've had several people come at me, you know, on social media and say, well, how can you be a Christian and, and support a guy like Donald Trump? Because like, you're not putting your faith in Donald Trump. My faith, I, yeah. Donald Trump didn't die for me. He's no. not my savior. No. And I... And you go back and you read the stories of King Cyrus where God said, or David, he's yep. my anointed one. Yeah. He's or the one I've selected. Da- for this. David wasn't a saint. Right. Nope. David, you know, took Uriah the Hittite and sent him to the front lines to be killed so that he could have Bathsheba. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Cyrus, Nebuchadnezzar, Xerxes, all of these people God used for his people for yeah. for his people. And so, no, you we're not looking for a savior. We're not looking for a messiah. Yeah. We're just looking for someone that 
restores our constitutional republic and the foundational principles and values it was established upon. You know, I, and you look at things like that. First Corinthians chapter one, he says, God's taken the shameful things of the world, you know, the, the foolish things mm-hmm. to shame the wise and the base things to, and, and I can remember, uh, James Robinson is a good friend. You know, he's a mentor and a good friend. James, he, he was a Ted Cruz supporter. You know, mm-hmm. he's a preacher. He's got life today. He's an evangelist and just an incredible man. And so he didn't like Donald Trump. He said, I can't support him. I can't support him. And they said, well, look, you, you, this is what you're about to get. Yeah. And he said, okay. They said, you need to go meet with him. And he said, I don't want to go meet with him. And James will tell you the story. He said, it was a humbling experience because he said, I, I said, okay, fine. I'll go to New York. I want to sit down with him. I need it. I need 45 minutes undivided attention in the room alone with him. I want to talk to him. Donald Trump gave him two hours. And they sat in there and had a conversation. He came out of there a changed man after spending the time with Donald Trump. You're right. He, he's, he's not the guy that's our personal savior. But I tell you, I think history is going to look back on him very kindly and say the man did a lot of good things. Of course. I can't think of anything that guy has done that's anti-American. Sometimes he's put his foot in his mouth, but hey, I do that every day. Yeah, who, who doesn't? Yeah. yeah, who doesn't? I mean, would, 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 would I like to see him use Twitter <laughs> a little bit less or, you know, more so talking about policy than going out and, you know, some of the personal attacks? But that's who he is. That's who he is. He's a he's, New York guy. Right. He's Queens. Yeah. If you don't understand how people from Queens work. They're rough and tumble. It's, it's he a was in deal. construction. Yeah. So has, yeah. has any politician ever been hired to be anyone's moral compass? Well, some would say that they looked to a, a certain politician to be their savior or messiah. But no, they're not supposed to be your moral compass. Your moral compass is supposed to be something that you establish yourself. Mm-hmm. or And they should be the values that your parents have you know, bestowed upon you. But I think, again, that's the problem right now in the United States of America is that we're running and looking at government, being in Washington, D.C., being in Austin, Texas. What? Just please do it for me. Yeah. That's the problem. That That is a huge problem. You know, it's so funny that once upon a time, and some people still do, people go out and hunt and, 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 and get their own food. But think about where we are today. Some people now sit at home and order their groceries and have them brought to them. Right. I mean, I mean we don't even want to get up and go out and get our own dadgum groceries, man. <laughs> I mean, how 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 incredible have we just devolved to this state of lumpy? I know. <laughs> I mean, we're just, just lumpy. I mean, I, I get out on my motorcycle. You know, I got a big, you know, victory cross-country eight-ball motorcycle. And then here comes some little guy in skinny jeans on a scooter next to me. And I just look like, what in the Sam Hill, you know? You should be embarrassed, boy. Okay? I know. And I just crank it up and just drown my, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Panty wastes. But but who who looks at that and says, oh, he's so lovely. He's a, He ain't going to save you. No. I mean, back in the day of, you know, Hunter Killer, you'd starve if that was your man. Yeah. And and so I just wish we could get back to this. It's not, I'm not talking about toxic masculinity, but I'm just talking about, you know, people being stand-up folks and, yeah. and, and being willing to go out there and, and take the challenges. Yeah, I, I've said over and over again, it gets me in trouble. That's the problem with third-wave yeah. third feminists. We never put them in their place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell y'all I used HEB curbside service for oh, the first time? Oh, they're bringing a lunch. Yeah, yeah. Crafty so, services. Good yeah, job, Steve. So. Good job. Could you, could you at least now, wait now until the, the colonel left? That's all right. Way to go, Steve. I had the other night. My wife, I said, That's all right. Take your hat off and give it to Natalie. What's that thing you use every day? The diner dash? or the? Oh. What's it called, Steve? DoorDash. DoorDash. I don't use it every day. Yeah, you do every day. You're lazy. And today. 
Yeah. Nope. That was You're a Jimmy liberal. Johns. They deliver. The Marines are ashamed to have had you, <laughs> yeah. Steve. Let me tell you oh, no. something. The few, Super the proud, the lazy. Yeah. I think we were in Kuwait about the same time. Two thousand three, two thousand. No, it was two thousand one. He was so, there for oh. cleanup. Hey, <laughs> don't, don't. he was there to put the fires out. No, they were already out. <laughs> oh man, it was a tough crowd. I just was just That's right. what I deal with, Colonel. <laughs> That's all right. I was there for a sightseeing tour. Yeah, yeah, in uniform. I saw the airport. And... No, we. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the diner. So I told my wife. I said the DoorDash thing. I said I think they delivered. I was just making conversation. I think they deliver where we live now because we're kind of out in the country. And she said we'll never use it. And I said why? And she goes that's lazy. And I said well I, I, I wasn't advocating for it. Yeah. <laughs> she put you in your place quick. <laughs> she said that's lazy. As you hit cancel. So obviously DoorDash <laughs> will never be a sponsor of the no Chad Grother show. Yeah. Yeah. So I that you know that's the thing. And you're right. Someone at a show I was doing in Charlotte, North Carolina last year at a meet and greet. She said, "Do you think we're going to have a civil war?" I said, "No." She said, "Why?" She said, "I said we're too lazy." Culture's gotten too lazy. Unless they want to start the battle at 1 p.m. after the Kardashians go off and they can emerge <laughs> from the basement. And, and no, it, I was going to say the Civil War is online. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it really is. It, it, it really is. When you look at the social media platforms and everything. But you're right. Uh, uh, except for the the outliers where the guy punches someone at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. No, they they don't want to get that takes like physical energy, energy, energy. You know, to, and we have all the guns. I was going to say we have so all the it's guns. you know. Bring it on, Snowflake. I mean, I, I'm, I've never had a MAGA hat, but I'm thinking about getting one just to see if somebody wants to challenge me. You know, I want to go to South by Southwest the other weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they won't. They'll look at you and say, mm, no. Well, you know, so the kid that got punched at Berkeley, he was at, we were at CPAC, and, and he was there. Yeah. President Trump brought him up on stage, and, you know, of course, it was a great rah-rah moment where he says, he took a punch for all of us. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, I w- that, that dude, if he'd have punched me, it would have been a different deal. It, we'd both been going to jail because it would have been a different deal. No, he would have been going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. I, yeah, yeah, it would have been. Something. I'd have been on him too. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, we, I, I travel in packs too, so I got all these ex-military guys that are with me. And mm-hmm. but no, it's it's funny because I, I just the attacks that are out there. And walk me through the journey though a little bit because mm-hmm. obviously there's a, a long history there. Your military. Uh, history there, and I appreciate you. I know you went through some controversy and stuff like that, no, but I no, appreciate you. Standing up for your men in combat yes, is not a controversy. And you know what? I, and I, I agree with you on that, and I appreciate the take that you took on that where you said, look, if it came down to my soldiers getting attacked or ambushed, I was going to do whatever it took. Yeah. And, that's, and and you didn't have ambushes happening under your nope. under your command. Nope. So that was, And so I appreciate that. I appreciate the stance you took and the statements that came out through that. But then you had to you had to come out into civilian life. Yeah. And how big of a challenge was that for you? It was a very interesting challenge. It was funny because we moved down the uh, suburb of Fort Lauderdale, Plantation, Florida. And uh, <laughs> I remember the guy across the street, you know, came over and introduced himself. And, you know, we started talking about hobbies and everything like that. And, you know, I told him, yeah, I, you know, I was in the military 22 years, used to be a paratrooper. And. You know, I ride motorcycles and I scuba dive. And he looked at me, he said, don't you think that's kind of dangerous? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I've landed in the wrong place. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, when you're around the military, you're around people that are going to have your back. Yeah. That honor, that integrity, that character, all of those things. They're bad soldiers, bad Marines, bad airmen, whatever, bad sailors. But as a whole... You're, you're all there with the commitment of an oath of service that you took. And the, the thing that I compare 
having spent 22 years in the military and then the two years that I spent in Congress, is that people are not there to honor the oath that they took as congressional representatives. They're there for their own self-interest or special interest. They're there knowing that at times they're totally lying, and they know that you know that they're lying, but they're mm-hmm. still going to do it anyhow. Right. And one of the things is about in the military, you don't go until the home until the mission is done. But yet Thursday, Friday maybe, noon, they're gone. Right. With all the things that are happening going on, it's, it's, you know, it'll be here. It'll come back. They never want to solve anything. And that's why I think a lot of the American people are frustrated. And that's why President Trump got elected, because people saw this was someone that is different. He's going to go in there, he's going to shake things up, and he's going to be against the status quo that has become Washington, D.C. But, of course, that establishment is pushing back and is fighting back against him. But the American people have to assert themselves. And that is, again, I think the difference between what we have in the military is a commitment and a willing to, as Abraham Lincoln said, make the last full measure of devotion for something that you believe in. Mm -hmm. And so... uh, I don't know. I, I I just wish that we could have that sense. I'm not talking about a national draft, but I wish we had that sense of love of country and patriotism all throughout this country. Right. D.C.'s nasty. So I don't have to tell you. I mean, it, government's nasty. Mm-hmm. And people want it done for them. And to say that means I want it to get bigger and nastier. That's the mindset. Because I know people who, who would claim and speak, their rhetoric would say they're conservative. But if all of a sudden government got more limited and small tomorrow, the way they live their life, whether it's government subsidized housing or health care, all these different things, the EBT cards and food mm-hmm. stamps, their life would be in shambles because they're living liberal, but they're claiming conservatism, which is a limited government mindset. Yes. And then you you say, well, we want we want everything done for us. That only that demands government get bigger. Well, that's how you get socialism, right? And socialism is dependent upon. Folks wanted to cede over their individual rights and liberties for someone else to do it for them, someone to give them that participation trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is a very deep-rooted cultural thing that we're going to have to overcome if we're going to get back to, again, that rugged individualism that we once had here in the United States of America. Do I think that the, you know, it's over for us? No. I, I, I believe that our greater days are still ahead of us, but we're going to have to go through this crucible, mm-hmm. and we're going to really have to show that this thing called progressive socialism that we are up against. And and I always like it when folks see me in the airport and they say, hey, you know, you're Alan West, right? They say, well, you know, I'm a liberal, but I still admire you. And I say, well, I'm a liberal, too. And they look and say, no, 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 you, you're Alan West. You, you're not. I said, no, I'm a classical liberal. Right. What kind of a liberal are you? I mean, I remember, you know, John Locke, life, liberty, and property, and mm-hmm. natural rights theory, individual <clears throat> sovereignty. What are, what are you talking about? What do you believe in? And when we start to make those type of philosophical comparisons, we got to make people think. Right. I mean, a lot of a lot of folks don't want to. We got to make them think. And I think that you can get people to understand. You know, the the the, the minority communities in America are conservative in nature. Mm-hmm. They believe in faith, family, freedom, quality education, service to the country, those bedrock things. My parents were registered Democrats, but they're not these type of people today. And and I think we may need to make that clear distinction. Yeah, and you're right. I, I make jokes about it all the time, but I you know I try to do when I'm doing live shows and I'm doing comedy. I try to do comedy that makes a point at the yes. same time. And I say I miss I miss liberals, like real liberals. You know, I miss the good old fashioned. It, and people say, what are, what are you talking about? Because they 
they've forgotten what that Absolutely. is, and and they've missed it. And now we've got well, it's not even it's it's leftist progressivism, it's mm-hmm. socialism mm-hmm. that they've embraced mm-hmm. and gone into. And uh, I don't think they realize how big that gap has become. You know, everybody lives out on the tips of the wings these days. Yes. And, and we live around there thinking we want one big left wing on the bird or one big right wing on the bird. That's not a healthy bird. No, it's not a healthy bird. And when you study and understand the Constitution, the founding fathers put us right center sector. Mm-hmm. You know, they understood that there was uber government and then there was no government anarchy. anarchy. or you know, And they found that, that, that center spot. But the incredible thing about living in a place like America and the rights and freedoms we have, it requires a lot of individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of people that would rather play a blame game and say someone else can do it or someone else, you know, did it instead of them looking at themselves. You know, the only Michael Jackson song that I like is that Michael Jackson song that says Man in the Mirror. Mm-hmm. I like it, it, too. Now, don't get me started on Michael. I can't watch the documentary because I, I, I love me some Michael music. You know, the Neverland movie, I can't, anyway, I digress. Yeah, you did. <laughs> in, a very, in a very bad way. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I wouldn't let my kids stay at Michael's house. Hey, but, you, know. you, you hanging out with little chimpanzees, too? Riding the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Mm. No, but, but at the end of the day, it is about the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. You've mm. got to be able to look at yourself and say that at the beginning of this day, I woke up with those three things, my honor, my integrity, and character. Did I finish the day with Mm-hmm. What do I stand for? What do I believe in? You know, I often tell folks, and, and for those people out there watching your podcast, go and read William Barrett Travis's letter that he wrote 24 February 1836 from the Alamo that was delivered by Juan Seguin over to Sam Houston. And understand that when William Barrett Travis was there at the Alamo, he was 26 years of age. Mm-hmm. He was a millennial. And too often, we don't go to our millennial generation and say, do you want to be the skinny boy millennial, skinny jean millennial, or mm-hmm. you want to be a William Barrett Travis mm-hmm. millennial? Do you want to stand for something and believe in it, even if it means you're going to lose your life? You know, when I think about, you know, this Colin Kaepernick thing, you know, believe in something, even, you know, why did they use Colin Kaepernick instead of Pat Tillman? Mm-hmm. Pat Tillman at the prime of his NFL career. Mm-hmm walked away after 9-11, enlisted in the United States Army, volunteered to be a ranger, sadly lost his life in a friendly fire accident in Afghanistan. So why are we elevating a person like a Colin Kaepernick and not a Pat Tillman? Yeah. Why aren't we talking to our millennials about a 26-year-old like William Barrett Travis instead of a, a, or an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? It, to, to me, it should be disgusting that we would allow someone to come into the state of Texas and talk against everything that Texas stands for, that a 26-year-old led 185 men to stand and sacrifice their lives for so we could be here in this state today. Yeah, that's perspective. And that's, what we, perspective. that's what we have to start doing. Mm-hmm. we got to make those stark comparisons. If not, and this is what we've talked about on other episodes, and I want your opinion on it, if, let's say she was old enough, and Ocasio-Cortez, if she was old enough to run for president, does she give Donald Trump a run for his money in 2020? Are of we course. that far off the rails? Of course she would. Yeah. Of course she would. Because there are enough dis- disaffected young people out there that will follow her right off the cliff. Mm-hmm. But that's why the, the, the challenge for us is in our homes. 
right. with our children, our grandchildren. The challenge for us in our churches, in our communities. The challenge for us are in, in our schools. I always tell people, Chad, that the most important elected position in the United States of America is not president, senator, congress, governor, school board. Mm. Now, the election in the United States of America that has the least amount of voter turnout consistently, school board. Mm. And then you ask yourself what's going on, yeah. that we don't have a system of education, but instead we have a system of indoctrination. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I've said for a long time that critical thinking is what we're missing. We don't know yeah. how to critical think. You know, you, you go over to David Barton's place, and he'll show you tests that we used to give to children in the in the turn of the century into the 20th mm-hmm. century, and, and we have master's degree educators who can't pass those elementary school tests. Isn't that amazing? Because they were so difficult by our standards today. And we have master's degree educators who are graduating with higher degrees. They can't take what children were taking back in 1900 and pass those things because we don't understand critical thinking anymore. No, because the government came into education and we just have standardized tests, multiple choice at that. And so I taught high school for a year down in uh, in South Florida when I first retired. And it was such an enjoyable experience. I volunteered I to go back to Afghanistan. Can't even imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was it was challenging. But what got me was the kids would be taken away from you if you weren't a math and English teacher, and they were just drilled on how to take a test. Right. You know how to figure out which two of the answers are completely wrong, and then try to figure out out of the two remaining which one you, you select. Not understanding the material or anything. Just how C. to take, take Just a go test. with C. <laughs> Always C. Was that your plan, C. Steve? Yeah. yeah. It's like, who wants to be a millionaire? You can phone a friend. and Yeah. I, I, there, was, there was a professor at the University of Georgia. He's still there, University of Georgia. His, his thing, uh, he started saying that uh, if you don't like, this is an article that came out last year, University of Georgia, where I went to school, he said, if you don't like your grade, yeah. tell me what you want. And you don't have to you, – it's an open book, open notebook, you know, open whatever test. And if you don't like your grade that you receive, send me an email and we'll correct that. And if you don't like – if you feel like you're uncomfortable in your group while you're – you know, your study group, you don't have to give an excuse. We'll just move you over to another deal. That's the mindset. That's That's the ludicrous. participation trophy. Yes. And then think about it when that person does matriculate through that system and they show up in the workplace – and they're like, what do you mean I have to stay here late? Yeah. What do you mean I have to, you know, put in time? Why, why can't I have a bonus? Why, where's my raise? Yeah. What do you mean I got to put in, you know, more work? It's it's a crazy thing. Yep. I uh, was I going to ask you, did you, when, when Trump was elected, how close were you to winding up with a cabinet position? Oh. You were right. I know you try to play that humble thing. Don't do that with me, Colonel. Come on. <laughs> I was hoping for you. I wanted to see you there. I still want to see you there. I, I got plans but for you. But then I wouldn't be here. I can, I got plans for you. We oh. got a future. I got a future I for thought you. It was all Jer- I thought that was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Mm-hmm. I thought no, no, God no. has plans. He, yeah, but we talked. Oh, okay. yeah. So we talked. He okay. confided in me. So I, I, uh, I, I could, I could see you there. I, I could see you in a couple places that I would love to see you. Um, you know, Secretary of Defense. I was all for that. I was all for it. And then I, I, I wasn't a general though. I have a, uh, I don't care. We'll make you one. Participation general. We'll do, uh, we'll do uh, I had plans. I, I kind of want to see you as a senator from Texas. Right, here we go. Now, now, see, now John Cornyn's going to be calling. John Cornyn. I want, He's going to be calling call John you. Cornyn up and tell him, say, dude, John, you're done. But, hey, look, Ted Cruz, he's already advocating, you know, for the for the term limit. So John's got to go at some point. We, we just follow you You right just got it there. all laid out, right? I got it fixed. You got it fixed. The fix is in, baby. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen to you. I'm thankful for you, though. Uh-huh. I really am. I pray for you. You told me. Appreciate I told you last time I saw you. I said, how can I help you? I said, if there's any way, you said, just pray. And no, I always appreciate it. that. And I do pray for you. Because I know you're up against a lot. You catch it, and you have over the years, and, and admirably uh, have have come through all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, but, but you know what? It, it says in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Right. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For that's the heritage of those who love the Lord. I don't worry about it. Right. You know, I, I don't worry about it. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? So I will continue to charge. I will continue to move toward the sound of the guns. Yeah. You and I were at an event at American Airlines Center after the uh, police shooting mm-hmm. that happened. And uh, I know that you believe that because you made uh, former Dallas Cowboy Jay Novacek get down on the ground and do push-ups. Uh, you penalized him. You, you, you made him do it because he'd messed up on yeah. a guest that was supposed to be there, and they weren't there. They weren't there. You're a strong man. I can't get Jay Novacek to do anything. I just gave him the evil eye. <laughs> <laughs> gave him the evil eye. So I, I, I would ask you, I would ask you what's next for you, but I know your answer. You just, you're just letting God lead you. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. He'll guide your path. What's coming up next? So as far as uh, events and things like that, you got. Well, you got we got some... a motorcycle ride oh, yeah. coming up uh, this Saturday. We're going to uh, go up to my first tour of duty, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, the home mm-hmm. of the uh, field artillery. We're going to leave out of uh, Stroker's Dallas on Harry Hines. So uh, if folks want to come out and ride up to uh, Fort Sill, and we're going to tour the museum, stop off at a nice little uh, burger joint, and then head back down. I'd love to go on a nice little Saturday ride with folks. That'd be fun. Nice. It'd be fun. That's a great place over there, Strokers Dallas. Our buddy Rick Fairless has that place. Yeah. Great custom bike shop in there as well. That's that's a fun little venue. It's fun. There. It's a great place. Yeah. And uh, when's the last time you went scuba diving? Uh, October last year. And I'm with an organization called Dive Pirates. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we work with people that have spinal cord injuries. Oh, that's great. And so uh, we'll be heading down to Cayman Brack in June. So, uh, again, divepirates.org. If you want to come down and join us for a little scuba dive, that's a good deal. What your yours, AllenBWest dot com? No, theoldschoolpatriot.com. dot com. The old schooled patriot dot com. Patriot dot com. Yes, sir. Did I dream up Allen? No, it used to be. Used to be there. Yeah, I had someone to try to take away my Facebook page, so I had to put him in the place and move on. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, some people think that you know they created you. So <laughs> <laughs> only God created me. The old school patriot. Dot com. Dot com. I love it. So go find him. You doing much on Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, you, I'm you, out you're there. You're always doing it. Yeah, I see Yeah, a little you. bit, yeah. I, I hate it. It's a dumpster fire. Yeah. But you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Well, I appreciate you, Colonel Allen West. Thank you for coming on the Chad Prather Show. You guys Thanks, need Chad. to, again, go to YouTube. Uh, go to his website. You need to read everything he's ever written. You need to get his books. You need to do all these things because this, this man's loaded full of wisdom. And, uh, hold Texas, so. hold the nation, victory or death. You can get on Amazon. I love it. I love it. So, and he's a good shot. Yeah, I, I, you go to Defender Outdoors. I go to Defender yeah. and uh, and uh, also the uh, uh, Crossfire. Uh, Crossfire Defense Academy. Crossfire. Yeah, but soon, soon we'll uh, be at the uh, Texas, Texas Gun, Gun Experience. Experience. Yeah, I'll go and yes, you know pop like some lot. caps there. Yeah, yeah. Machine guns. Machine guns. The thing about machine guns, and I've, I've shot enough machine guns, is they're not like the movies lead you to believe. You know, it's like, and it's like that's it. <laughs> no, no. I love how in the movies, the clips, the magazines never run out, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not quite that way. Yeah, a revolver that shoots like 12 bullets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Check him out. Hey, go to blazetv.com slash Chad. Use promo code Chad. Get on the Blaze TV. 
and uh, check out all the programs that are on there. We're having a blast doing this thing. And, of course, we're going to keep coming to you Monday through Thursday, 6 p.m. Go to YouTube and watch the – if you're going to watch it, go to YouTube and watch it. And then if you want to listen, uh, go to where podcasts are offered. And that's all over the place. We're out there. We're everywhere. Colonel, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Great. Love you all. God bless you. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you.